Hey, my name is Kenny. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to say thank you for joining us today, whether you are in your home, whether you're in your car watching somewhere, maybe even at the office you've dialed in to watch. Thank you for joining us. And by the way, we are starting small groups uh, that will coincide with what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. So if you want the most out of this series, make sure you join a men's group, ladies group, couples group, so many different options. You can log on to the website right there and uh, find out uh, how to get into a group that best fits you and your schedule. And I'm super excited about the series that we're talking about called Take It Back. You know, we've all had a setback in life, but how do you take back what actually set you back? And I want to tell you that one night, not too long ago, I couldn't sleep. So like most of us during the virus pandemic, where do you go? to Netflix. And uh, so I'm just surfing Netflix, Hulu, ESPN, and I love the 30 for 30s. And I came across a story on Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas and his dad, his dad's name is Bill Douglas, who was actually a boxer, a successful boxer at that. And James Buster Douglas was growing up under him as his protege and his son, obviously. And what was interesting though, is James never really got the love that his dad got. Um, He was always seen a little bit more out of shape, uh, would carry the title sometimes as James Pilberry Buster Douglas. I mean, he was just not the guy compared to his dad. So he kind of lived in his shadow a lot. However, he was successful and he started making progress as a boxer. And it came time to face one of his opponents by the name of Tony Tucker. Don't you love that picture right there, by the way? Tony Tucker, this is in the late 80s, early 90s. And Tony Tucker was the guy that he was going to face. And Buster actually had an opportunity to beat him. Now, whoever won this battle actually was able to fight someone else that I'm going to tell you about in just a moment. But this was the match. And in the match, Buster actually had a chance to win. He was doing so well making so much progress. He was actually doing a lot of damage against Tony. Tony got his shots in as well. But in the 10th round, in this moment right here, 10th round at minute 127 left, Buster took a hit. And Buster would say, when he took this hit, he just gave up. He said, everything in my mind started flooding my memories of, I'm not as good as my dad. I can't do this anymore. And it was in the 10th round that Buster gave up and Tony Tucker won. Now, the winner of this bout was going on to face someone else by the name of Mike Tyson. Now, if if you're too young to know who Mike Tyson was, get off of the Xbox. This dude was amazing. Listen, the world had never seen a boxer like Mike Iron Man Tyson. It's not just that he fought opponents. He knocked them out. It's not if he was going to knock them out. It was how fast was he going to knock them out. He was a machine when stepped into a ring. So the winner, Tony Tucker, went on to fight Mike Tyson. Everyone looked at Buster Douglas and thought, he's a washout. He's gone. Just like we said, he's lazy. He's never in shape. Not as good as his dad. Well, here's what was happening behind the scenes. Buster was wanting to get back in the ring. So the match was set against Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson in Japan. You can tell who the favorite was. I mean, the whole poster takes up basically Mike Tyson. And it was a setup for Mike Tyson's next match. The odds so out of reach for Douglas Buster. Why? Everyone knew who was going to win. It was going to be Tyson who won. The odds of the win, 42 to 1. 
Here's what that means if you're not a gambling person. You would have to put down $42,000 just to get $1,000. Everyone knew this is not even going to be a fight. Again, it's not if Mike Tyson was going to knock him out. It was how fast was it going to be. The fight took place. Blows are being exchanged. And ironically enough, in the 10th round, this happened. Mike Tyson, not only had he never been knocked out, he had never been knocked to the canvas before. This was his first time to be knocked down. And ironically enough, as I mentioned, in the same round, it was Buster Douglas who knocked him out. And who became the heavyweight champion of the world? Buster Douglas. When you talk about someone who had a setback, who had a lot to overcome, family situations, his mom passing away, the, the comparison with his dad's, all the negative thoughts that he was having, and he decided, I'm going to get in the ring and I'm going to take it back. I think this is going to be a great encouragement for all of us during this series. You want to know why? Because all of us have lost some things in life along life's journey. As a matter of fact, here's what the Bible says about Satan himself, the thief. This is how Jesus described Satan. In your life, he's a thief. And he wants to do just one thing, to steal, kill, and destroy everything good in your life. Any blessing God has given you, he wants to take it away. Any movement you're making in your journey with Jesus, he wants to kill it and destroy it. And I'm going to flesh out those words later on in the series. You don't want to miss what those words really mean. But this guy is a thief. And here's what I think. Over the past several weeks, several months, many of us have lost some things along the way. We've lost joy in our life that we used to have. We've lost closeness with our spouse that we used to have. Yeah, we've lost some practical things like jobs and our income. But then when it starts becoming internal, the fight becomes a little bit more difficult, does it? I mean, there used to be a time when we actually loved reading God's word, where we loved walking with Jesus, where we actually loved being at home with our kids, not just putting up with them, but really enjoying our kids. And I think along the way, the thief has stolen some things for us. And here's the great news. Jesus followed up this statement with this truth, but I came to give you life. See, just in case there's any confusion, Jesus wants to give you something, not take something away. He is in the addition business of your life, not the subtraction business, as many people might think about him. And he says this, I came to give you life and life to all its fullness. I want you to experience marriage the way it's supposed to be experienced. I want you to experience family the way it's supposed to be experienced. Friendships, purpose, meaning, a destiny and identity that I have for your life that I'm giving to you. I want you to know it to its full. Here's what I love. That when Satan comes and takes something away, watch this, Jesus knows how to give it back to you in a way you never knew before. You take someone who lost a marriage. Listen, listen. When they get back into maybe the same marriage and God does a miracle, or maybe Satan done so much damage, it's absolutely impossible for that marriage to take place again. And they get remarried. Watch. Marriage now means something more than it ever did before. You take a man or a woman who has a, a heart attack for some reason, and then they start getting in shape. See, now life has a beauty to it that it didn't have before. This is what Jesus does. 
You take someone who loses a family member. Now they see the other family members in a different way that they haven't before. They become more valuable, more special. Not that the other person wasn't. It just means that life you see through a different lens and it becomes full. It becomes more meaningful. And this is what Jesus does. When Satan takes away, Jesus steps in and knows how to give life back. Now, I want to use someone as an illustration. It's one of Jesus' followers. His name is Simon Peter. And if you don't know anything about Simon Peter, um, when you get to know him, it gives a lot of us hope for following Jesus that he would pick us too, okay? You're talking about a brash guy, a guy who made a lot of promises but really didn't deliver, um, a guy who was uh, always putting his foot into his mouth, and the list goes on and on and on. And one day Jesus is walking by the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. Simon Peter's fishing, and he walks up to Simon Peter and looks at him, and he goes, I want you to do this. I want you to come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I love this, by the way, just a little side note. We follow, Jesus makes. We have one job, just follow him. And he makes us into something. And he looks at Simon Peter and says, hey, listen, you want a real life? Don't fish anymore. Why don't you follow me and I will give your life meaning and purpose. Listen, and for three years, for three years, Simon Peter followed Jesus and his life was changed. He's watching Jesus and getting into the ring with Jesus and watching uh, chaos go down, sin go down. Uh, people who could never find life again, who was actually thrown out by the church. He's watching Jesus restore them, give them back their life, give them beauty again, giving them significance again. And for Simon Peter, his world is just blowing up. His prayer life is going off. As a matter of fact, there's this moment where he just kind of brings Jesus in with the other disciples and says, just teach us how to pray. You do it so well. Obviously, we don't know how. His prayer life is taking off. He's understanding the Bible, which is the Old Testament in that time, unlike ever before. Miracles are happening. He is finding his identity, not in fishing. He's finding his identity in making an impact in this world. And I'm just telling you, demon after demon's hitting the mat, hitting the mat, hitting the mat, hitting the mat. For three years. And then a few moments before Jesus goes to the cross, he pulls Peter to the side and he says, hey, hey, I need to tell you something. Here's what he says. Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you. By the way, I love that we learned this and we also learned it in the Old Testament book of Job that Satan has to get permission to come your way. He's not equal with Jesus. <laughs> There's no comparison and, and Jesus says he has demanded to have you. And here's what Jesus follows it up with. But I have prayed for you. <laughs> now, if I'm Simon Peter, I would say, don't pray for me. Why don't you just take care of Satan? Just say no to Satan. Uh, prayer's good, but say no. Here's what Jesus says. But I've prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Simon Peter you're about to get knocked down. I want you to get back up. Satan's coming your way. He's demanded to not just knock you down. He wants to knock you out. And I want you to know, you're gonna lose some things along the way. These three, three and a half years you've been with me, you're gonna experience some loss. And you're gonna hit the turf. And I need you to get back up and take back what he's about to take from you. Simon Peter's response to Jesus, 
you don't know me. Like if you ever had somebody look at you and say, you don't know me. You don't, you don't know my story. And Jesus is like, okay, 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 okay. Jesus goes to the cross. It was when he was going to the cross. He had told Simon Peter what was going to happen. Simon Peter denies him. I don't know him. Denies him. He's not my friend. Denies him. I was never with him. I don't even know what you're talking about. And the Bible says that as Jesus, after he had been beaten, his eyes locked with Simon Peter and he watched him. And in that moment, Simon Peter, guilt, shame, embarrassment set in. And this is why Jesus actually told him something else. And if he would have remembered it in this moment, it would have been really good for him. But I want you to remember this. After you have turned back, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to lose some things, Simon Peter. But I need you to take it back. And when you turn back to me and have been restored, strengthen the faith of your brothers. This would have been good for him to remember this, Simon Peter. But it's not what happened. Simon Peter, with the guilt, the shame, with everything that happened. Here's what happened to Simon Peter. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to where I used to be in life. Because I've lost too much. And in that moment... Satan stole three years of his life. This is what he does. The thief, in one moment, in one moment, three years of Simon Peter growing, of moving, of of taking advantage of evil in the world, seeing good overcome evil, in one moment, he loses three years of his life. And when he went back to fishing, do you know what happened? Here's what happened. Peter said, I'm going fishing, but they caught nothing. You want to know why? Anytime you go back to what Jesus called you from, you find nothing. He didn't know what else to do, though. I think there are many times we don't know what else to do. In one moment, in one season, in one set of decisions in our life, Satan comes along and not only knocks us down, he knocks us out and we feel like we've lost everything. Isn't it true? Like, let me ask you something. Where are you? Where are you? In your, in your journey with Jesus, where are you? Nothing. You feel like Simon Peter, you've gone back to nothing and this is what you're experiencing. No joy, no life. Or are you life to the full? Would you say, man, I'm at a 10. Watch, watch, watch. If it's anything other than 10, you've lost some things along the way. If you used to be here, but now you're here, what happened? Like what set you back? What was stolen from you? Like you lost some ground. Something happened and knocked you down. I think there are several different setbacks in life. I just put them in categories. I think one thing that sets us back would be this. It's things we do. All of us, right? All of us are tempted to buy into the lure of the flesh, the lure of the world, the shiny things of life, and we leave our first love, which is Jesus Christ, right? And we just wander off a path that we don't want to be on. We didn't intend to be on, but we find ourselves just wandering away from him. This is what Simon Peter said on things we do. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. You know what Simon Peter would say? I get it. Like that was me. 
Like, I wandered away from him. I understand if that's you. I lost so much ground in one moment, and I just wandered away from him. But Simon people would say, listen, but if that's you, and you've walked away from grace, I love that he leaves 99 to come for the one. Grace comes looking for you if you've wandered away, and you've had some step backs. Simon people would go, I get it, that's me. It's my story too on things that we do. Another setback in life would be this, not just things we do, but things other people do. Scripture says there are times people just cut in on you in your journey with God. Someone does something to you. You didn't ask for it. Maybe you were a part of it, but they disappointed you along the way, somehow, some way, and they set you back. I love what the Bible says, and it's this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Just a note, there are people who want to hurt you. Hurt people, hurt people. It's a principle of life that if I'm hurting, my goal is to hurt you more. Especially if I think, if I think you did something to hurt me. But I love this. God intends for your good. He wants to add to your life, not take away from your life. The third thing I think that sets us back, circumstances beyond our control, crisis, chaos, cancer. You didn't ask for it and you certainly can't control it and it hits you. Here's what the Bible says with circumstances we can't control. Jesus said this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That phrase, but take heart, is Jesus' way of saying, don't throw in the towel. (laughs) Don't crawl out of the ring yet. I need you to get back up. Take heart. You may have lost some things along the way, but don't lose heart. Why? Because I've overcome whatever the circumstance you can't control in your life. The fourth thing I wrote down was this. Maybe this one describes you if those three don't. Disappointment with God. You know, disappointment is simply this. Our expectations of what we think versus what happened. That's our disappointment. And if the gap gets large enough, we'll just walk away, right? And maybe you expected God to do something for you. To heal that person. To not let them die. You not to lose your job. For your spouse not to walk out on you. For him to restore your marriage. Bring your kids back home to you. And that gap of disappointment with God can create a huge setback in your life. The greatest story of this moment, I think, was Jesus' cousin. His name was John the Baptist. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus to roll up onto the scene and change the world. And he was really good at it. But at the end of John the Baptist's life, he finds himself in a dungeon about to die at the hands of the Romans. And he knows it's coming. So what did he do? He starts having doubts about his entire life. And he sends word to Jesus. And here's what he basically says. The first thing he says is, dude, I'm your cousin. <laughs> Don't make me call my mama. You know her. I'm your cousin. Like I'm, fa- dude, we're family. This isn't somebody. I'm family to you. And the second thing he says is, I've given everything to follow you. You're going to come rescue me, right? Like, I'm not going to be disappointed in this moment with you, right? Jesus' response to his cousin who's about to be beheaded. Blessed is the man or woman who does not fall away on account of me. In other words, John, you are family. I love you. But my answer to your request of me is no. 
I'm not coming. And Jesus is saying to him, and I think he would say to you if you've been disappointed by God, listen, just because I don't act the way you want me to act doesn't mean I'm not working behind the scenes for your good. It doesn't mean I can't weave everything together for a beautiful story. So don't throw in the towel yet on me. Let's get back to our story with Simon Peter, right? He's done. Going back to fishing. What did you catch? Nothing. And there was this day where he's out fishing, going back to the life that Jesus wanted him not to go back to, which we all do, have done. And Jesus is walking on the shore and he yells out, have you caught anything? And the answer is no. And Jesus is like, I know, because I told you not to go back to fishing, but. And Simon Peter realizes who it was. Simon Peter doesn't wait for the boat to drift back to shore. He jumps out, swims, and runs up on shore. And they have this meal together, right? Watch this moment. Gosh, this moment. And there's this moment where Jesus says, hey, Simon Peter, let's, let's go for a little walk. And when they go for a walk, Jesus says this. Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Why would he use that name? That's his old name. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus is the one who gave him Simon Peter. He wasn't born with that name. That's the name Jesus gave him. Jesus, why would you start with his old name? I think Jesus started the conversation by looking at him going, hey, Simon, son of John, remember when I first met you? Remember that's who you were? And do you remember that I gave you grace that day? I haven't changed. I'm not mad at you. I don't condemn you. Just like on that day when you didn't know me, I love you just the same now that you do know me. And the same grace that met you that day as Simon, son of John, is the same grace meeting you today as Simon Peter. So Simon, son of John, do you still love me? After all that went down and I saw you, I just want to know, do you still love me? Because I really still love you. It's not changed for me. And I just want to know, do you love me? You know, it's interesting. When you read this part in the Greek, right? Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? When you read it in the Greek, he could never say that he really loved him. All Simon Peter could get to was, I really, really like you. I don't know if I can love you because I messed up too bad. Have you ever felt that way? Like your setback was so bad that when Jesus says, I love you. Do you love me? And there's so much guilt. There's so much pain. There's so much shame that the only thing you can say is, I really, really like you. I've got really good news if that's you. Jesus would say to you, I'll meet you there. I, that's good enough. How about we start right there with I really, really like you. And this is what happened with Simon Peter. So here's what Jesus says to him. Do you still love me? Because I still love you. Watch. Here's what he says. I want you to feed my sheep. Hey, quit fishing. 
Don't go back to it anymore. Don't go back to that life anymore. I'm inviting you back. I'm inviting you to take back what was stolen in one moment. Then he said to them, follow me. Simon Peter, you follow and I'll make. You want to know Simon Peter's journey, by the way? (laughs) He had nothing. He had full. He had nothing. Then he had full. (laughs) So if this is like your story, that is a good place. You're in good company because this is the journey of life with all of its setbacks. So maybe it's not, where are you? Maybe this is a better question. Where do you want to be? Like, where do you want to be with Jesus? Okay, you've had some setbacks. You're at a five. You used to be at a 10. Where do you want to be with him? Well, then go there with him. For some of you, it might be that you just take a step toward him. I don't know what that step would be for you. Maybe for you, it would be baptism. Man, people are being baptized all over the place. We're going to show you the video on October the 11th. If you've never been baptized, I encourage you to be baptized. There's a link. But maybe that's just you saying to him, I want to get back on track. And I want the world to know that I'm getting back on track with you. So where do you want to be? And here's a really, really good verse for all of us as we wrap it up. The God of all loving grace will personally and powerfully restore you. Restore you. He will jump into your life and say, let's take it back. Come on, the joy that you once had, let's take it back. You used to serve, but you don't anymore. Let's take it back. Let me restore you back to what life used to be with me and make you stronger than ever. It's not that we don't all have setbacks in life. It's that will you allow him to help you take it back if that's what you really desire to have. I want to pray with you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for what we're going to discover over the next four weeks. So grateful for your invitation to those of us who have had setbacks. That you look at us to go, if you still love me, I'll take it. And then let's run together and take back what the thief has stolen from us. You are a God who gives and gives life to the full. And it's what we want with you. It's a heart's desire So God, as we surrender to you, God, and for those who are listening and watching right now, and maybe right now they're surrendering everything to you. And if that's you, just tell them, just say, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm surrendering back to you. My life, my heart, my affection, my attention, just tell him. And the best way I know how, I'm coming back to you, running back to you. And I am entrusting my life to you. Thank you for dying for me. Coming back to life for me and giving your life to me. And I'm inviting you to lead me. And I will follow wherever you go. In your name I pray. Amen.